Welcome to the Why I Love America podcast. Disclaimer, this is not a political podcast. Here we will only talk about the principles that founded this great nation, not politics. This is a place where you can ask yourself the question, why do I love America? All right, Jackson, so today we are going to be talking about a phrase that is used often. Mm. Okay, so here's another constitutional quiz for you. What part of the Constitution talks about the separation of church and state? That's a good question. So we learned last time that Mm -hmm. the freedom of religion is in the First Amendment. Yes, yes. I'm not sure or aware of where religion is specifically mentioned in another place. Mm -hmm. Would it be be in there? You are incorrect. Guess what, guys? The phrase separation of church and state doesn't actually show up in the constitution at all so you tricked me so i tricked this you. whole this thing is, is just gonna be a way of making me look like a dumb american like dumb. that is <laughs> ignorant about the constitution i know and i come I f- prepared and you don't so. <laughs> well right. I, we have a little video right here from uh prager you who makes really awesome videos and they talk a little bit about where this phrase church and state comes from and why we hear it so often in our discourse in america okay they were creating So where does that phrase come from? It comes from one brief letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptist Association in 1802. At the end of a very long sentence in which Jefferson affirms his conviction that religious belief should be a private matter and that the government should not interfere with such matters, he uses the phrase building a wall of separation between church and state. And that's where the phrase lived, undisturbed, lost in Jefferson's voluminous correspondence for almost 150 years. This sounds way different from how this phrase is usually used in Mm -hmm. American discourse, right? How how have you heard it before, like, when people talk about it? Honestly, the majority of times I hear it being used, it's like an excuse to take talking about God out of anything in the government or at school or Mm -hmm. anything like that. Yeah, so it's used as kind of like, oh, you can't pray in schools because... We have to separate church and and state. state, Everything, right? And obviously we have the freedom of religion to believe whatever we want or Mm -hmm. to not believe whatever we want, right? And, and, And yes, the government shouldn't be forcing people to believe anything. And that's exactly what Thomas Jefferson is saying here. He wasn't talking about, oh, there's religion creeping into politics and and talking about God, where since the founding of the country, congressional delegations have started with prayer. And we we integrate prayer into multiple things, but people have been trying to take that out more and more. You swear on the Bible, right? Which is uh, yeah. is just a symbol of us making a promise on the Word of God. Like that's how important it is. Right? Which yeah. Now that we're talking about this, it's always been kind of confusing to me how this phrase "separation of church and state" has been used. Because yeah, I mean, one nation under God. They mm-hmm. swear on the Bible. And so it makes sense that that wasn't the original intention behind that phrase. Behind the phrase. And the reason for the phrase, what Thomas Jefferson was saying, is the government needs to stay out of our personal religion. Mm. Not that our personal religion has no place in government, if that makes sense, right? Because the founding fathers were very religious people. And they didn't hide it in their public or private discourse. One example is when George Washington was sworn in as president of the United States on April 30th, 1789. Mm -hmm. He, you know, put his hand on the Bible, put his hand to the square, and then in his first inaugural address, he said this line, which is one of my favorite. He says, the propitious smiles of heaven cannot be expected upon a people who disregards the eternal rules of order and right, which heaven itself has ordained. 
Does wow. that sound like non-religious <laughs> speak? That sounds like something that would be said over a pulpit in a church. Or right? written in the Bible or something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know the way they talk by, back then is very biblical or kind of King Jamesy a little yeah. bit, especially in written discourse. So the, and the point of that right there is if people disobey the quote unquote commandments that God will not support the country, that's a very religious sentiment. And he said that on the first inaugural address. Wasn't there also another quote? And I, I mean, you're the one that's coming at this more <laughs> important than quotes, me, yeah. but, uh, talking about the importance of being, I guess, a God following people and maintaining like, the constitution. Yeah. Yes. So John Adams, on October 11th, 1798, he wrote a letter to the Massachusetts militia. Which for my essay, John Adams is an important guy. He's one of the founding fathers, okay? Okay. And so John Adams, he wrote this. He said, we have no government with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Greed, ambition, revenge, or gallantry would break the strongest cords of our constitution as a whale breaks through the net. And then he says, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly incapable to the government of any other. That's pretty strong religious language once again. And so in 2024 terms here, mm -hmm. what he's saying is we as human beings, we have our carnal nature. We are selfish. We are greedy. We are always looking for power, things like that. That's kind of our, our nature, right? Mm -hmm. And this constitution won't survive if we don't have morality and religion guiding that nature and uh, do you think that's right like your initial reaction to that what, what are your thoughts my on initial that? reaction is that's a money quote and how the heck is the constitution not ripped into shreds at this point? <laughs> i know because we're not the most religious or moral people right now I don't, I don't know the exact statistics, and I'd be interested to look up right now how many people actually consider themselves well, to be a religious it. person. Yeah, let's see what percentage of Americans um, consider themselves religious. Okay, so here on this uh, poll by Gallup, by Gallup poll, I think they're, they're a big deal, aren't they? I don't know. I hear them on the news. But uh, they said this. They said nearly half of Americans, 47%, describe themselves as religious. So... Not very, yeah, not very religious, less than half. And 33% say they're spiritual but not religious. So at least they, they probably believe in some sort in a, in of objective morality. Superior being. Yes. 2% uh, volunteer that they are both. And then 18% say they are neither religious or spiritual. Hmm. And so I think obviously that's not how it was at the time America was founded. Yeah. Can we look up... Do we have stats on? <laughs> All right, let's see. Let's see if there are any stats of. Okay, so yeah, this is a big, a big change right here. So um, between 1700 and 1740, which is kind of the growing up time of our founders, right? Mm -hmm. It says that 75 to 80 percent of the population uh, attended churches, and those are people who are attending churches. Mm -hmm. And that's not even people that believe in, they, they all probably have a religious background, but these are the people that are actually actively going to church. Well, initially people came over to America to escape religious persecution in a sense. Yeah, in a sense. And that's, that's, that's a whole other conversation that we got to have one time too. But that is a huge difference. It's literally cut in half. And the thing that's crazy about this, as I said earlier, is these are people who are attending the church, not people who just belong to a religion. Mm -hmm. How many of the people that are saying they're religious 
actively attend church or just every once in a while. It's even lower, right? And another thing that's really interesting, there was this guy named Donald Lutz in the 1970s. He did a study because they were trying to figure out who of all the philosophers ever in world history were more influential on the founding documents of the American founders. And so this guy did like a textual analysis of everything that existed from the American founders and that Mm -hmm. founding generation. Mm -hmm. And they analyzed how many different people were cited and who was cited the most. Mm -hmm. And guess who was cited the most in all of history? Guess what source was cited the most? The Bible. The Old Testament. The Old Testament was the most used document, most referred to document in all of the writings of the founders, wow. which which kind of makes sense because the, the Old Testament is kind of the founding of a people, Israel, right? The Jews of that time. So you have the Exodus and then them fi- finding themselves as a nation and all the wars that go on and everything like that. And so they very much looked at themselves as making an exodus. They compared themselves to the Israelites escaping the slavery of Egypt and, and finding their own promised land. So this religious mindset, is it permeates through all of our founding documents. And so if we forsake religion, it's only a matter of time before we forsake our founding documents. And our... Two nations, three nations, four nations, mm-hmm. not under God. <laughs> not under God, yeah. <laughs> That's what it looks like. Now, here, here's a question, like more of a practical question. Like, why is it, though, that... Because the Constitution, the way that a lot of people understand it, is that it is something that keeps us on course mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think John Adams would say something like that, that even, even with the Constitution... If we're not moral and religious, it, it's not going to matter in the end. It's going gonna, it's gonna to fall apart. But why, why would that be if that's the law of the land? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I would think because the Constitution is kind of like a living document. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can make amendments to it. Yeah. And just as our political leaders are kind of like a reflection of our own selves, I think the Constitution over time is going to become that reflection of our own selves. And if we veer towards a more secular and just materialistic society that doesn't hold these values of, you know, one nation under God and the founding principles in which the constitution was written mm-hmm. based on, then it's, we're going to Hades in a handbasket. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Seriously. Like I, I think that that's super wise right there because as you said, the ability to amend the constitution is baked into the constitution itself. Mm-hmm. And thank God that it is the 13th amendment made it so slavery was illegal. Yeah. They made it very clear slavery is illegal. And I'm so grateful for that. The ability for women to vote was amended in the Constitution. I believe that's a 19th Amendment. Mm. And so we're grateful for that because the amending allows us to clarify more eternal truths. Mm -hmm. And when when that is clarified and we, we are living by objective truth, then the Constitution maintains and it gets better over time. But as you pointed out, if we throw the idea of objective truth out the window, that there is nothing greater than us and that we get to decide what is moral and what is not, then the Constitution is slowly going to erode and and we can change it into something worse. And going back to what I was saying earlier, how our elected leaders are kind of like a reflection of us as Americans, they're only going to uphold the Constitution if we value that ourselves. If we elect people that uphold the standards and principles that the constitution is founded upon. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think just on a deeper philosophical level, if we don't believe that there is something greater than us, so I like it doesn't matter. It de- John Adams didn't say the Constitution will only survive if it's a moral and Christian people. He right. didn't say that. Yeah. He said a moral and religious people. And religion is the organized practice of a belief that there is something greater than us, that there is an anchor out there, which is God, that gives us objective truth. And that's what this whole country was founded on. Like the Declaration of Independence, like those those first words. Here's the thing. Do you know what the first words of the Declaration of Independence are? I do, but I want to make sure you do. <laughs> you want to make sure I do? And, well, uh, I think it's a second paragraph in the Declaration of Independence that has that famous sentence that says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they have been endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so that that declaration of independence is not necessarily, we say it's a declaration of independence, but it's not an independence from everything. It's an independence from Britain but it is a dependence on God. Mm. I actually like it. I just barely thought of that right there. <laughs> the Declaration of Independence is also a declaration of dependence on God. <gasps> Boom, right there. <laughs> that, that God, we depend on him to give us these rights, and he's given us these rights, and our job as Americans is to make sure nobody gets in the way or tries to stop that. And you can't do that if you don't believe in a God in the first place, right? So Jackson, it's your time now. Impart your wisdom. What do we do then? If we can't force people to be religious, like how do we, you know, help America regain its belief in morality and religion? <laughs> what a question that is, bro. I'm some 24-year-old kid. I know. Ugh. I don't know. I guess it starts with me. Yeah, probably. You know, I believe that the founding of America was inspired. <laughs> and being that the Constitution of the United States has lasted as long as it has, I think more than any other constitution of another nation. Yeah, it actually is. It's it's the longest See, I know working constitution. And so obviously something's working. It was founded off of good principles that, you know, are working to a certain extent. And if we want to continue to be a free nation united under God to participate in getting myself right in that sense. I think that's right. Or as Jordan Peterson would say, just make your bed. <laughs> that's a bad impression. I love Jordan Peterson though, but that's with that I think that's a really good answer right there. It's, it starts with us. It starts with us individually getting ourselves right with God, with our higher power. And whatever you believe, I or if you don't believe, I would just ask the question, like, what 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 is going to happen if we don't believe there's something greater than us? Because that that is what starts communist dictatorships. Because if there isn't a God, if there isn't something greater than us, then what's the greatest thing on earth? The dictator. The dictator, the person that has the most power. And however you get that power doesn't matter because who determines morality? The dictator. The dictator, the person with the most power. And so I would say to anyone who would say that, oh, no, you don't need religion or objective morality in order to maintain the Constitution. It's just look at what happens. What is the first thing they get rid of in uh, communist dictatorships. It's religion. religion. They get rid of religion. 
But we have a mutual friend, Yonmi Park, who she lived in North Korea and escaped, right? And mm-hmm. I remember when she was telling me the first time over dinner, she was like, I remember the first time I read the Bible and I was like, wait, I've read this before. But instead of God and Jesus, it was Kim Jong-un and Kim Song-il. And they put them, Actually, they essentially wrote a Bible and included themselves in it. We need to get a copy of this. <laughs> yeah, we should get a copy of that. And I need to learn Korean. Yeah. And another thing that I learned, I read a book by Rob Dreher, uh, called Live Not By Lies. Uh-huh. Really awesome book about kind of what happens at, or how to start a communist state, essentially. Mm. And good so how-to really communists for to. dummies or whatever. Yes, communism for As dummies. As you just read. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I need to keep an eye on you, bro. Yeah, so, but he uh, he puts forward this, uh, or he, he talks about how the Soviet Union, what they would do when they were first taking power and becoming a communist dictatorship, mm-hmm. they would have people pray to God in the classroom. So they'd have kids pray that God would give them food mm. and he'd have them pray for like an hour. God, give us food. God, give us food. And they'd take chance, take changes. And then they would have them pr- pray to their dictator to give them food. And first prayer, they would bring food in. No way. And they would do that. They did that for years and years and years. And they build this dependence on the government, this dependence on the dictator instead of a higher being. And so I just like to me when the question is asked, do we need God and religion in order to maintain a free nation? It's like I'd say it's not a bad idea. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. And what is the first thing that di- like not free nations do? They erase God. And so that should be our answer. What what crumbles communism and dictatorships more than anything? God. Religion, God. And so what do we need to maintain if we don't want to get that? God and religion. God bless America. Please. Please bless America. America. We need it. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Why I Love America podcast. If you don't know why you love America or you're not really sure if you even do, hopefully we talk about things here that give you a reason. And if you enjoyed this, please like and subscribe and share with your friends. It helps the YouTube algorithm and hopefully we can spark a little patriotism with this podcast. So we appreciate your support. And until next time, may God bless America.